Hello, everyone. This is David Douthit, and on behalf of my wife and partner, Molly Douthit, welcome to an encore presentation of More Than Hearing. We're away and traveling and unable to do a proper show for you this week, but we have some good material from our previous time through this liturgical year, and we don't want to leave you bereft. Well, this year we've been focusing on two intelligences per episode. Three years ago, we did as many of the eight as we could for four passages. The audio quality won't be quite the same as we were still using pretty primitive equipment then, just a little better than stone knives and bearskins, and not where we are today. Nevertheless, we invite you to sit back and enjoy this Blast from the Past encore of Year C, Ordinary 16, 2016. everyone, this is David Douthit. And this is Molly Douthit. And welcome to More Than Hearing, a podcast to encourage preachers to incorporate multiple intelligences into sermons and worship leadership, because there are plenty of ways to reach someone's soul. Today's podcast will cover the lectionary selections for Year C, the 16th Sunday of Ordinary Time, also Proper 11 or Pentecost 9. This week, Abraham gets company in Genesis, or there is a lot more bad news for Israel and Amos. Paul throws down a poetic slam about how awesome Jesus is for the Colossians, and Jesus himself tries to stay out of the middle between two sisters and Luke. It's all a matter of focus, so let's see how many intelligences we can bring to a point. We've established this podcast based on Dr. Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. Dr. Gardner suggests that there are multiple ways to learn, process, remember, and understand our world. Each week, we develop illustrations and special effects for the weekly readings of the Revised Common Lectionary that use various smarts based on Dr. Gardner's identified intelligences. We call them word smart, eye smart, math smart, body smart, music smart, nature smart, people smart, and self smart. You can read more about Dr. Gardner's work by clicking on the link at the top of our webpage. As we read and reflect on the scripture passages for each week, we explore ways these intelligences can be utilized for a deeper appreciation of God's Word. Anytime and any way we can make use of the different smarts, we give people greater access to the Word of God so that they can acquire it, process it, and internalize it in ways that make sense to them. Let's get started. The first option for the Old Testament lessons for Year C Ordinary 16 comes from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 10a. This is the story of the Lord appearing to Abraham as he sat under the oaks of Mamre. And uh, he appeared to Abraham as three people. And Abraham rushed out, uh, offered them hospitality, brought them back to the tent. And as they were eating the meal that Abraham had prepared, they wondered where Sarah was. He said, well, she's there in the tent. And the Lord says, well, when I come back in season, the next time I'm back here, she'll have a baby. She'll have a son. And that's where the story stops. So we, looking at this particular passage, David and I have both decided that the primary expressed intelligence in this offering is people. Why do you think so? Well, I think so because of the interactions that are going on and Abraham's focus on his guests Mm -hmm. and and doing the right thing for them, which Mm -hmm. is to show hospitality. And he incorporates his whole household, Mm -hmm. well, Sarah and, and a servant anyway. 
uh, in preparing a meal for them and hospitality to set before them. So it, that's, that's my main thing is just his focus on the guest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm me too. Uh, for me, it's also people because it expresses the ancient custom of hospitality. For me, mm -hmm. it was more, um, it, it's specifically people smart in this particular story, but there's the context of people smart in that custom of offering hospitality. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second, but we also have some offerings for Body Smart and Music Smart. Uh, Body Smart, we have an illustration and a special effect. For Body Smart, we're looking at where Abraham says to the to the visitors, let a little water be brought and wash your feet, rest yourselves under the tree. Uh, it's an offering of hospitality. Uh, it's an embodied offering of hospitality. Get your bodies over here. Sit down, take a load off. Let me wash your feet. This might be a, a good time to examine your congregation's greeting and welcoming process. What do your greeters do? What are the people who are the first point of bodied contact? Uh, what, what is their interaction with folks who come into the church, whether they are first-time visitors or whether they people have been coming there since the cradle? Mm. It makes a difference how you are greeted when you walk into the building. Mm. So what sort of embodied greeting, embodied hospitality do you practice? And is it intentional? Uh, that that can that can really make a difference. Yeah. Really make a difference. I, I'm thinking of the woman in our last church, my last church, that uh, stood at the door and hugged every person. That oh came my goodness! In, yes. Oh yeah. Whether she had ever known them or not, and whether they were huggers or not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of people that were. Mm, why is she grabbing me? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And she was. She was never officially asked to do that. That was no, just no. her call. That yeah. That's did. right. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. And she was wonderful. I loved her. Mm -hmm. Uh, so for special effect, if you pass the peace in your worship service, worship service, are there other what what ways do you do that, and what might you be able to do that goes a little bit beyond the usual to show peaceful intentions to one another? Because that's essentially the idea of this ancient hospitality: is when people approached people who were strangers, if you were uh, your intentions were peaceful, you would welcome them. So there was kind of a, a sort of an understood, non-spoken examination of one another. Uh, what might you do to show peaceful intentions to each other? Bow to each other, kiss another person on the cheek, offer something concrete, uh, maybe a, a wet wipe or something. <laughs> and for Music Smart, uh, we have an illustration, and David, you found this one. Yeah, uh, it made me think of the old song, If I Knew You Were Coming, I'd Have Baked the Cake. <laughs> which uh, was, uh, it was recorded by Eileen Barton in 1950. But most of us know it from the presentation that got on Sesame Street <laughs> in about 1969 <laughs> and uh, with Ernie and the, and the Cookie Monster. Oh my goodness. So we have links for both of those so you can hear the song. And it's very catchy and it will stay in your head. I'm sorry. A very long, I'm, well, it's in I'm my head right now. I'm and I'm thinking that, of but. it, didn't they also use it in advertising for like, Pillsbury or Duncan Hines or something? Oh, probably. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So we're going to go back to people now and look at an illustration and special effect. I hinted a little bit about the ancient custom and practice of hospitality was peaceful intentions. Another way to um, illustrate hospitality is to use the liturgy of the Lord's Supper. The invitation to the table, prayer of thanksgiving, breaking the bread, sharing the cup, the communion prayer. Go through all of those things and see how they fit. And, and so match up the elements of that liturgy with elements in offering hospitality. The invitation to the table is the greeting and the offering. The prayer of thanksgiving is receiving the, uh, the offer. Uh, breaking bread, sharing the cup is a meal at a table. And the communion prayer afterward is sharing information with one another. And also a blessing for each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Let's go. Okay. The second option for the Old Testament reading for the 16th week of Ordinary Time, year C, is Amos 8, verses 1 through 12. This is another oracle against the people of Israel that starts with an illustration from the Lord for Amos. And a vision. A vision. He, uh, the Lord shows him a basket of summer fruit, and there's a, a play on words in the Hebrew here between summer fruit and end, which the Lord says is about to come upon his people. It goes from there into a description of the injustices that are rampant in society that the Lord has seen and will not forget, and the resulting terrible the, the resulting terrible things that are about to be unleashed on Israel as a result, and that the people will be wondering this way and that here and there, thirsty for the word of God and not be able to find it. We have a difference of opinion this time on the primary expressed intelligence, which again uh, is what we think is the intelligence that is most obvious in this or this, that the dynamic of it is most noticeable and gives structure to the passage. When we identify the primary expressed intelligence, that gives us sort of a starting place to understand the passage. And then we can say, if you had a different intelligence, how might you get into the passage? And so that's where we'll go from there. So, uh, I think that the primary expressed intelligence on this text is self, and Molly thinks it's music. So, uh, why do you think music, Molly? Uh, well, mostly for the, uh, the verses where God says that the songs of the temple shall become wailings, and all your songs will be turned into lamentation. And for me, a lot of times the prophets are just lamentation. They are the people who stand in the midst of the people and sing the blues. Uh, they're the ones that get people's attention by saying, look at where you are. This is, this is what's going to happen. This is what's coming. This, and, and this, is, this is just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. um, so that's part of the reason why I thought it was music. It's a little bit of a push uh, <laughs> to get it into music. But um, once I looked at it that way, I have many options <laughs> to pursue uh, for music. Okay. Why do you think itself? I think itself because of the many ways that it describes the internal life that people are experiencing here. God's internal workings are revealed a little bit in the beginning that God mm -hmm. is recognizing this injustice and has been struggling within God's self how to deal with Israel mm -hmm. and has come to a conclusion. Then in the oracle, it talks about the internal conversation of those who are doing injustice and and whining about the blue laws. How long until oh. I get to sell stuff? I got to sell stuff again. Why do I right. do the Sabbath? And right. and then I'll, I'll make it up by cheating people. And, right. And, right. Right. So this internal dialogue that's okay. going on. And then okay. in the wondering thinking about the longing and, and just the sense of isolation and separation from what gives life. Hmm. So for me, all of those elements kind of pointed towards self-smart. Okay. Well, we also have some options for iSmart and uh, PeopleSmart as well. Yeah, so for iSmart, got to thinking about that last part about the wanderings to and fro. and Searching, searching. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and the the millions of displaced people who are wandering the earth, as it were, in, in our day. People whose homes have been destroyed by war or natural disaster or they've been under threat politically or, or what have you, mm -hmm. and they've been forced to leave their homes. There was a lot of that that happened in World War II. 
but it, it's still happening today for, from natural disasters like Katrina or uh, the Dust Bowl back in the 30s. There's the Trail of Tears with the Cherokee. Cambodian boat people and Cuban boat people, and currently from Syria and other points in the Middle East streaming into Europe. People who are looking for a safe place in the world and a place to call home. And we have a link for you about the ongoing humanitarian crisis of displaced persons that you can take a look at. So just a, a way of remembering that there are those who are forced into uh, that kind of wondering. Mm -hmm. And in People Smart, we're looking at the, the phrase, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but hearing the words of the Lord. I'm sure people probably have made the connection between not being able to hear God's word, you know, and the failings of our culture or its excesses. But I think God is always speaking and the Spirit is constantly revealing the word, but we aren't hearing what we want God to say. Um, so maybe what you could do for a special effect on that is to ask people, what words have we not heard? Just have them shout it out. What words have we not heard? Uh, what words do we want to hear? Are they the same thing? Uh, why? And what words are being spoken? That might be kind of a challenge. Mm. Because what that means is you have to figure out who is saying them. And does that difference of who's saying them and what we want to hear affect our ability to hear the word of God? How big is the gap among those things. Because I think God's word is always, always being spoken to us because the spirit is alive and the spirit is moving. But sometimes we don't hear God's word because it's coming from the mouths of people we don't care for. Mm. Uh, going back to music smart, the songs of the temple shall become wailings in that day. And I thought immediately of the blues. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a link to B.B. King uh, singing a song, Why I Sing the Blues. It's kind of a long one, but it's worth it. Oh, and anytime uh, you get to listen to B.B. King. You know. <laughs> Also, uh, for an illustration of singing the blues biblically, look at the Book of Lamentations. There's the blues. Yeah, there it is. Uh, we have several uh, links to music uh, in special effects, varied types of styles of music, all modern. So we'll post those on, our, on the, the webpage and you can spend a great deal of time on YouTube watching all these videos and listening to music. And maybe they'll spark some ideas of your own. I don't have any opera. Well, we'll see if we can come up with something. <laughs> Most of these are songs about wandering and, and being lost and, and being home, uh, uprooted, um, not really having a place that's that's central to your location. Yeah, that sense of isolation. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to do with Self Smart also is explore that sense of isolation that comes with injustice. Mm -hmm. So uh, invite your folks to think about times when they have been treated unjustly. And what are the emotions that come along with that? Maybe fear or anger, resentment, sadness, what have you. And what about a time maybe when they have been the one acting unjustly towards someone else? And what was the motivation behind that? And did they feel any remorse? And, and was there any justice arrived at afterwards? We're, we're seeing, well, in the news this week, over the last couple of weeks, we've been seeing a lot of people who are feeling unjustly treated, and so they are protesting, they're writing, they're singing, so there are some creative ways that they're dealing with that, but also there have been threats and acts of violence that have come from both sides. Mm -hmm. um, because it, it seems like everybody's feeling like they've been treated unjustly, which is kind of weird. So again, invite folks to think about creative ways to deal with some of those strong emotions attached to injustice and, and trying to understand why there might be less than creative mm. expressions too, I mm -hmm. guess. 
And how do we break the cycle of isolation that surrounds being disregarded as a person, which is kind of what injustice is? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, totally. So uh, totally. that kind of rolls over into People Smart a little bit there. Anyway, invite your folks to, to ponder on those things. And if you want to do the People Smart thing, then let them get together and talk about those things. Cool. The epistle lesson for Year C Ordinary 16 is Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 28. We're picking up right where we left off last week. And here Paul is going into his understanding, his image, his vision of who Jesus is, why he came, and what difference that makes. The primary expressed intelligence that David sees in this passage is word, essentially because of the entirety of the passage, I think itself. Uh, David, you want to explain why you think it's word? Yeah, Paul is using language here that we don't ordinarily use in conversation. I mean, maybe it is language that you would use 2,000 years ago, I don't know, but it, it's on a, a different plane than most of the rest of the writings that we have from Yeah, him. I, I kind of get the sense that it's him, but it's more him. I mean, it's more than him. Yeah. You know what I mean? When somebody's really inspired, yeah, it, it's that the, the, whatever it is is coming through them. They are the conduit, but there's something else. Yeah, that's... there seems to be a sense of inspiration here mm -hmm. and a sense of awe it, through this that it is just not the usual kind of, by the way, here's what you do if you catch somebody doing something wrong, right. which we find so much in his letters. And maybe it's because he doesn't know them as well that he's going to this different place. Hmm. That's more general, but... Real big picture. Big picture. It's very big picture here. And it gets your attention just because of the way that he's talking about these theological concepts of, of God's reconciliation in Christ and that everything under heaven and earth is being pulled together in Christ. So for me, it was the language that really got my attention. And mm -hmm. so that's why I picked word as, as the primary. So our first illustration uh, combines word and I, actually, because it, it's poetry and it's very evocative visual imagery of poetry. So it's from William Butler Yeats' The Second Coming, which was a poem written in 1919 at the end of World War I, and the disillusionment and the fracturing of society that had happened in the Great War made him to think that everything was coming apart, mm -hmm. basically. And it, it, there was time first for chaos, but then perhaps hopefully for... Some kind of rebuilding. A rebuilding, right. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's what the poem is about. And it has that well-known line that things fly apart, the center cannot, cannot hold, hold. Mm -hmm. which is the reverse of what Paul is talking about here in this passage, because for Paul, everything holds together in Christ. Mm -hmm. I think Yeats was thinking that the church, among other powers, had abandoned its mission in mm -hmm. many ways did. during the war. And uh, um, it was a that, large part of why the center was not holding. Right, right. And so there was time to get back. And can we have Jesus showing up again, please? That would be nice. Doesn't say that so, in the poem, but no, that's my that's my reading yeah. of well, some sort of moral authority anyway. Yeah, yeah, that the, the moral authority had had evaporated, and since there was no moral authority, things were just flying off. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. really kind of it's a depressing poem. Well, we're continuing to use that imagery of Jesus being the thing that holds all things together, looking in, in math smart. I figured there had to be some sort of a, a mathematical or logical principle about the center holding thing, and so I just Googled uh, center hold, and hey, I found something. Uh, there's a particular technique that you can use called the center hold technique in navigating, land navigation, that apparently they teach to United States Marines. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a link to that. You can go watch a particular Marine show you how to do it. It's a particular type of compass. 
um, that you hold in a particular way. It's and, a field compass for orienteering. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I didn't know what that was. So if I ever get lost in the woods and I have a compass. See, see I was a Boy Scout. Well, okay, <laughs> I was not. <laughs> so anyway, that's an illustration that you could use for MathSmart. Um, also, Paul talks about the revelation of Jesus Christ as a mystery. Uh, we think of mysteries as puzzles to be solved, but here it means something more that you can't understand until it's shown to you. So what you might do for a special effect for that is to bring in a word puzzle or a math problem or a, the summary of a mystery novel and contrast that to what Paul means about the mystery that is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. For Bonnie Smart, we have, well, just a, in passing, the idea of Emmanuel, the God with us, Jesus embodying the presence of God. So there, mm -hmm. I mean, that's God right there in a body. <laughs> that's implicit in the passage. Mm -hmm. For special effect, we've got a script for you for interpretive movement for this passage. It, it flows in such a way that it kind of just begs you to swing your arms around them <laughs> a lot. And there's a lot of that in the script. So yeah. uh, we'll have that in the show notes for you, but it's a way of uh, letting someone uh, embody, them embody the text. Mm -hmm. and uh, It's really and cool. Present. It's kind of like ballet. Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah. For Nature Smart, Paul's writing here again is just so broad and, and it creates these verbal vistas that are just very expansive and broad. And, and it called to mind for me the experience of being out on the Great Plains, just where you can see everywhere and everything out to the horizon. Or um, being someplace like the, the monuments out in the West, like Arches National Park or uh, the Black Hole of the Gun, the Black Canyon of the Gunnison. <laughs> Uh, again, those those wide open spaces, or the view from some of the high famous mountains, Pikes Peak. Except for us, because it was socked in with clouds. It was, it was. Or uh, we had some friends who, who just went to Mount Hood, and they had posted some pictures. Mm -hmm. So we have links to all of those, or several of those things, those broad, beautiful expanses that stretch one's usual sense of space. Mm -hmm. So there's a little connection here also to iSmart, but, uh, but just that natural sense of being expansive. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, for self-smart, which is what I think is the primary expressed intelligence, we have an illustration about hope, which is the, the line in, in the passage that gives rise to this. Hope may be a particularly helpful thing in a time when it seems that the transformation of, of everything under heaven that Paul talks about is in stark contrast to the reality that we see around us. What do we, what can we hope in? What can we hope in? We hope in Jesus. We hope in the, the transformation, the uh, re restoration, the renewal of our world around us, not just the nat natural world, but the social order. Our hope sustains us and God may even surpass our hopes. And uh, we have a, a link to a Sesame Street illustration of hope. It's pretty good. For a special effect, you could do this particular exercise as, as a benediction. Ask everyone in the congregation to imagine their hope as an object or maybe an idea that they kind of put some form around. And as they form that up, help them visualize taking that hope and giving it to Jesus. And imagine that Jesus receives it, blesses it, and blesses the giver. And then have them go out into the world knowing that what you hope for is in a very safe place. Ask them, maybe when they come back for worship next week, how did that change your week, knowing that what you hope for is in Jesus. Nice. Let's go on. The Gospel lesson for Year C, Ordinary 16, is Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, 
This is the story of Mary and Martha, that uh, as Jesus has been making his way toward Jerusalem, he ends up at the house of Mary and Martha, and uh, Mary sits at Jesus' feet listening to all that he has to say, and Martha is busy doing other stuff and comes and says, hey, uh, Lord, how about, you know, getting Mary to help me here? And Jesus says, mm, hey, Martha, no. <laughs> <laughs> For the primary expressed intelligence says, I think it's people smart and Molly thinks it's it's self self smart. Why do you think self smart, Molly? Um, I think because it's a learning moment for Martha and for people in congregations who identify more as Martha, the folks who are just so rushed and so distracted and feel like they're fragmented and the center's not holding and they're falling apart. Ooh, hey! hey. I I think it's an an opportunity for people to examine their own lives and their own hearts and their own priorities. Mm I pick people smart because of the interactions going on. Uh, that all that internal work that Martha is doing about um, reveals itself in in people smart, uh, maybe in a negative way because she is setting up a dysfunctional system here <laughs> with her sister by pulling Jesus into the middle of it. And I think a lot of people can probably identify, identify with that, if with not that with it, or at least identify it. Hopefully they can identify and, it. And it's it's a pattern that shows up a lot in churches, of course, oh, is, uh, yeah. you know, uh, pulling someone else into the middle. And we'll talk if about that argument. when we get down there mm-hmm. later. Other ways to get at the text, we have, we got mess. We got uh, word smart, we've got eye smart, we've got math smart, body smart, people and self. We got just almost everything. So so word smart, uh, we're looking at the idea of uh, Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to what he was saying. For an illustration of this, there's a method to encourage young children to articulate their needs and feelings by saying to them, use your words. So this helps them connect with their feeling, sadness, frustration, fear, to a way of communicating to someone who is equipped to help them, hopefully. So it gives kids an opportunity to examine their emotions, uh, see, see what they are, work through them with a safe person who can help them with that. And so they learn how to articulate their feelings as opposed to just becoming this little bottled up toddler of rage. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really healthy. It's a very healthy way of, of releasing feelings, of talking them. Yeah. And, um, th- and then you have to use the other one to balance it, which is use your inside voice. Yeah, that too. (laughs) So for a special effect, uh, what you might do as you begin worship, before anything even happens, ask people to use their words to describe where they are at that very moment. And then at certain points through the service, encourage them to do it again. And hopefully you're going to get some different words as the service goes on. So for example, at the very beginning, before anything starts, ask them, use your words, describe where you are. Maybe after the confession sequence, if you if you use that, after the opening hymns, music, prayers, after the sermon, no pressure to make it a good one, uh, after the prayers <laughs> of the people, after a special musical offering, after the offering itself, and then at the end, use your words. Where are you right now? So is that something that maybe they would write? Sure. Yeah. 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 Put little blank pieces of paper. Or space in the bulletin. Cool. Okay. For iSmart, the center of the story spatially ought to be focusing on Jesus. And, you know, that's the way it's always supposed to work. <laughs> and and Mary recognizes that. But Martha has moved the center of the story to herself. And it's all about her. And so the little connection here to self-smart. But mm-hmm. Jill Duffield was writing about this passage this week too, and we'll have a link for you on that. But she talks about the word distracted, meaning drawn away from a reference point. Mm-hmm. And, and so 
Martha has become drawn away from what ought to be the center and has moved the center to where it doesn't belong. Right. So there's a little spatial negotiation there. Also some sense of whether you are beside or buzzing around. And, right. And right, Mary yeah. is beside Jesus and Martha is buzzing around Jesus. Yeah, Jill yeah. Duffield talks about the Greek in that, that, it, that illustrates that. Yeah. You know? And as an illustration, if you have a, a, a telescope on an equatorial mount, then you need to aim that mount so that it's pointing at the North Celestial Pole, which is pretty close to the North Star. So you point it at the North Star and you're doing pretty good. And then whatever you look at elsewhere, it'll stay pretty much on track and you only have to follow it around as it progresses toward the West. If you align on something else, you pick the wrong star, for example, and you align on that, then you have to be adjusting everything all the time as you're looking. And it just throws you completely out of orientation. We'll have a link for you about that as well, so you can read a little bit more about that. But that's the same sort of sense of of being misaligned that we have for Martha. For a special effect, you might might do this for even a children's sermon, and that would be to bring an actual camera with uh, the ability to focus uh, manually, and not your phone, but uh, <laughs> but an actual phone, uh, actual an actual phone, camera, an yeah, actual camera. camera that you can actually focus, on. And, and purposely put it out of focus and take a few blurry pictures and show those to the kids and ask, what's wrong with this picture? And depending on how old they are, they, you know, they may they, figure, they, it, they out may figure it out. But help them to discover that the camera is out of focus and that when you refocus it, then the pictures are great. And then you can talk about how we can sometimes get blurry pictures when we don't focus well. And uh, that's what's happening with, with Martha also. Mm-hmm. For MathSmart, when I was a kid, in about fourth grade, our teacher gave us a test. And the, at the top, it said, be sure to read all the instructions before you do anything. And then it was like 10 steps, and you had to do all these weird and bizarre things. And then the last thing was, it says, if you have read all of these instructions so far, do none of them except put your name on on the paper and put your pencil down. I felt smug because... <laughs> I, I had read all the instructions and got there. Not and, me. <laughs> I was running around my desk flapping my arms. <laughs> so um, anyway, that's an example that you might use, an illustration that you might use of paying attention, paying attention, and 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 following instructions, following instructions yeah. which Martha was kind of out of kilter with. And so that idea of focusing on the right thing, Mm -hmm. right? And mm-hmm. uh, for special effect, that test and various forms of that test. You can find online. We'll have a few links for you. You could actually hand it out, hand it out, and let people take it. <laughs> when people are clucking like chickens, you'll know why. <laughs> uh, so for Body Smart, um, I have an illustration about Martha's discombobulation here, and and the idea of you know you, you when people come to the house, oh my gosh, and so you kind of run around picking things up and throwing things in closets. When our son was young, he was about fourth grade. We had just moved to the Northern Virginia area. I had really gotten tired of the dog here in the house. And I said, okay, fine. So I got out the vacuum cleaner and I was vacuuming the house, getting rid of all the dog hair and um, digging really hard and scrubbing, scrubbing, scrubbing at the carpeted stairs. And I felt somebody tap me on the shoulder and I turned around. There was our son, Jacob. And he looked like he needed to say something to me. So I shut off the vacuum and I said, what? And he said, who's coming to visit? <laughs> Which made me realize I didn't vacuum very often. <laughs> 
So uh, think about, for a special effect, think about how getting ready for visitors can really be an exhausting experience. You've got all these things you need to do. You need to clean the house. You need to get the guest rooms ready. You need to plan activities if they're going to be activities. You need to plan the menu. You need to go grocery shopping for that menu. You need to peek pick people up from the airport or the train station if that's necessary. And maybe you need to even give up your own bed for the duration of the visit. And if you aren't careful, you'll spend all your time in the kitchen and you'll miss being present with your guests. Mm. Mm. Martha. Yeah. 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 Poor Martha. She's really getting dumped on here. She is. So let's go to, let's go look at people smart. Okay. What Martha is doing here is referred to as triangling. In her relationship with her sister Mary, she's got some anxiety. Uh, she has something that she wants to say to Mary, but in order to bring the anxiety level down and to keep a relatively normal relationship with, with her sister, she brings in Jesus and dumps the anxiety on him. Is the anxiety that, that what she has to say to Mary might harm the relationship? Yeah, I guess there's that, and also that, well, I mean, she's just anxious because mm -hmm. she's not getting this help and support that she feels she, she needs, needs. Okay. and and that's making her anxious besides all the other things that, mm -hmm. you know, she's just anxious about many things, as Jesus says. Mm -hmm. So she transfers her anxiety about Mary not helping her to Jesus, and says, so, Jesus, make her do this. Mm-hmm. And so then she doesn't have to deal directly with Mary and she can vent to Jesus and maybe he'll do something about it, but then... Because he's a higher authority. Right. And, uh, and even if he weren't, it's... It, Somebody else. A three-person relationship has more ability to, uh, to distribute anxiety than a two-person relationship. Mm -hmm. So it becomes more stable. Mm-hmm. So, Allegedly. Uh, well, it's stable. It's not necessarily healthy. Ah, okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's the good distinction. And Jesus knows that that is inappropriate for him to get into the middle of all of that. And so he just deflects it and gives her her anxiety back, at, which is where it belongs. Right. So you are anxious about too many things and you need to deal with that. She's okay. So that's, that's how you break a triangle is you don't take the other person's anxiety when it doesn't belong to you. Or anyone else. Right. And uh, we have a link from the Bowen Center that gives a little description about how that works and an example of an ongoing marital relationship that gets triangled in a variety of ways. Again, that might be something that you would recognize in the life of your congregation, and uh, but the congregation may not be aware of it. So this might be a good teachable moment on how to have healthier interactions among the people mm -hmm. you know, in your congregation. Well, it's not only a learning moment for congregations, it's a learning moment for Martha herself. As an illustration, I have a story about uh, my brother-in-law's mom, uh, who incidentally is named Martha. Mm. When she was young, she was helping her mother with some chores, and she accidentally broke this uh, glass bowl that had been in the family for a very long time, and it had great value to her mother. Uh, she was just devastated by this, by the fact that she broke this, and her mother did not handle this well. Uh, uh, she was very upset by this. And her father, who was a Lutheran minister, saw this situation, and he said to his wife, Martha's mom, it may be for the best that you lost that thing that you loved too much. You know, mm. Here she's got two things that are broken in front of her, this bowl that's been in the family for generations, and her daughter. And her father said to her mother, pay mm. attention to which one of these things is more important that is broken. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and Martha mm -hmm. never forgot that. And I always knew Martha to be one of the most generous people I'd ever met because she learned that lesson early on. Yeah, nice. 
So as a, as a um, special effect, have your congregation make an inventory of valuables. What do they own that means a great deal to them? It could be property, maybe it's real estate, it may be any other stuff. It could be things that are less tangible too, like health, fitness, beauty, mobility, status. And ask them, after they've identified what their valuable thing is, ask them this question. Would you be willing to set that aside or ignore it in order to sit at Jesus' feet and learn from him personally? Mm, mm, mm. Let us know how that one goes. Yeah. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Please ask questions or leave us a comment on our website, www.morethanhearing.org, or at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash morethanhearing. Send us a tweet at at morethanhearing, or email us at connect at morethanhearing.org. If you tried any of these suggestions, or maybe got an idea that you liked even better than ours, let us know what you did and how it went. We would love to hear how using this theory has made a difference in your preaching and worship. Be sure to look for the show notes, links, and resources on our website. We publish our worksheets on each text, so you can see some of our ideas that don't make it into the podcast. Those also might be helpful or give you a spark. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast using the iTunes, Android, or RSS links at the bottom of the show notes. Or you can point your podcatching software at morethanhearing.org feed podcast. You can find us on the iTunes store, too. You can subscribe there directly, and you can support the show by writing a review, which will help others find us more easily. And of course, you can always share the show with your friends and colleagues. We'll be back with another installment next week. So in the meantime, stay subscribed and be smart. of really fat, uh, 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 well, <laughs> you said it. I did, yes, and that will be cut.